Hey everyone, thank you for tuning in. Welcome to the Prayer House Podcast. Our mission and vision is simple, to spread the good news and the gospel to the ends of the world and to do it by building a community whose foundation is Jesus Christ. So welcome to the family. We hope you guys enjoy this message and that it is a blessing to you. Amen. <clears throat> Praise the Lord. Thank you so much. Uh, may God bless all of you and may God continue to uh, bless Prayer House and all of you that have been joining this Bible study series. I just want to extend my thanks to you because um, truly I'm blessed to be in fellowship with like-minded believers who are hungry for the word. And uh, I pray that the Lord will continue to lead us. I pray that the Lord will continue to reveal his uh, word and mysteries of the word uh, to us in these coming days. Let's pray together. Father, just as um, Brother David said, Lord, we ask that you would be lifted up higher and higher and higher, even as we read your word, even as we meditate your word. We pray that we would decrease and that you would increase, that the knowledge of your word would encourage us to further allow ourselves to be crucified unto death, that you may live in us, that it would be no longer us, but you in us, Father God. That, Holy Spirit, is our desire. So, Father, speak unto us. We are listening. We are hungry. We are ready. We want you to speak, and we want to hear from you, Lord. And Holy Spirit, I ask that you would encourage us and motivate us and lead us, Father, to not just be listeners, but doers of your word, to not just be practicers, but but, but do not just be preachers, but practicers of your word, to not just say one thing and do another, but to truly live as you lived on earth. Teach us, Holy Spirit, have your way. I pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Praise be to God. Uh, we've been looking at the gifts of the Holy Spirit, just as um, uh, Sister Hope was reminding us. And um, once again, thank you, Sister Hope, for leading our conference call today. God bless you as well and continue to use you. Last week, we picked up on the gift of prophesying. Right, and of course, that is one of the gifts of the Holy Spirit. We're nearing the end of the the nine uh, the, the nine gifts, the twelve gifts of the Holy Spirit, rather. And so we are we're still here in the gift of prophecy. And I promised you last week that that even though I wouldn't get through the gift the the gift of prophecy in one week, I would pick it up this week. And just as I promised, it would allow me to pick up kind of where I left off. And towards the end, I just want to show you very quickly two or three things that you can use in these last days to identify what Jesus would refer to as false prophecy, okay? So I'll, I'll just mention that towards the end uh, and allow the Holy Spirit to just encourage you to think about that on your own time. But for today's meditation, turn with me to Ephesians chapter 4, and let's read verse 11, verses 11, 12, and 13 okay let's turn our bibles to the book of ephesians chapter 4 verses 11 all the way to 13 and here's what the bible says and he himself jesus himself gave some to be apostles some to be prophets some to be evangelists and some pastors and teachers for the equipping of the saints and for the work of ministry for the edifying of the body of Christ. If you have a pen or a notebook with you, I would like to encourage you to just uh, maybe underline that or write this down. For the edifying of the body of Christ. For the building. The word edify means to build, right? For the building of the body of Christ. Until when? Until we all come to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of 
of the Son of God to a perfect man. Look at that. Until we all become perfect in unity as a perfect body of Christ to a perfect man to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. Meaning until you become just as Christ is. Right? That's not going to be until... Uh, until rapture and we have entered the kingdom of God and we have completely been transformed. But that's to say that these fivefold ministers, the pastors, the prophets, the apostles, the evangelists, and the teachers will continue until the body of Christ is completely made perfect. Praise God. And I, I'm amazed because uh, out of the 12 gifts of the Holy Spirit, you find two appear in the fivefold ministry. You find the gift of prophecy and the gift of teaching. Amen. If you remember, and I hope I helped you jog down memory lane last week with that, you know, that little nasty pop quiz I gave you all. Uh, I hope I helped you because Towards the very first two weeks of our Bible study, we looked at the ability to teach wisdom, not just to have it here, but to teach it, to, to have the word of wisdom and to have the word of knowledge, the ability to teach wisdom and knowledge to those that need it. And the Bible says some have become prophets and some have become teachers. So the gift of teaching and the gift of prophesying seem to be central to the fivefold ministry that the Lord has put in place to build up his church. Amen. Now I want to encourage you just because these two gifts appear here doesn't make any of the other gifts any less important. It just means that these two functionalities, the ability to teach and the ability to prophesy along with apostleship, pastoralship, and evangelism becomes central to the growth of the church. Amen. The growth of the church, not just in numbers, not at all in numbers at all. In fact, it's telling us it's the growth of your faith. It's the growth of your knowledge. It's the growth to the point where you've become a perfect man. It's the growth to the point where you have become the fullness of Christ. And then it says, verse 14, so that we should no longer be children. All right. I know some of us are pretty young. Some of you are less than 20. Uh, some of you are more than 20. Dare I say, maybe some of you are really, really old and you're over 30. Love all of you. I won't tell you my age. I won't tell you where I fit in. Just kidding. I'm, I'm only 27. All right. <clears throat> I'm only an auntie. Anyway, so the Bible says that you should no longer be children tossed to and fro. Look, how do you know you've not grown in the faith? Now, some people ask me this. How do I know I'm growing in the faith? Here's how you know. The Bible says if you're a child, you will be tossed to and fro, carried about with every wind of doctrine that's thrown at you by the trickery of men in the cunning craftiness of deceitful plotting. Look at that. When people say, oh, do this, you're, you're like, oh, yeah, that sounds great. That, that's, a, that's, a, that's a great movement. That's why there's something called trend Right? And there's a trend movement, even in Christianity. This is a problem. Right? When there are particular trends happening in Christianity, you have to really be careful about that because it's a wind of doctrine that you should be careful not to be carried away with, but to be grounded in what's already here. It's what's, what's already here, right? The Bible says you should no longer be children 
tossed to and fro with every wind of doctrine. Here, so here one person comes and says, go and hug the gravestones of of men of God that have gone ahead of you uh, and you will be blessed and anointed with their anointing. Believe it or not, this is a very famous practice, uh, practiced by a famous church. And so that's a wind of doctrine. And there's a, uh, there's a large number of young people in America that follow this doctrine to your surprise, hopefully. Right? How do you know you're an immature child in the faith? It's when you're just tossed to and fro like the wind. Anybody says anything, you just go ahead with it because you just haven't developed a filtering process to say, this is good, this is not so. But this is why the Bible says the gift of prophecy becomes important. I mentioned last week, look at that. When, when, now that you are getting a better picture of what the gift of prophecy looks like between this week and last week, I'm, I'm hoping you're able to see the, the famous ones on YouTube that can guess your ATM password. Uh, just don't fit into this picture. It, it, they just don't. And that doesn't mean we condemn them. That doesn't mean we hate on them. It just means we discern right from wrong and we discern which wind of doctrine we will follow and which wind we will just resist. Amen. So my encouragement to you is to recognize that prophets are given a central part in the ministry of the church so that the body of Christ can grow unto the fullness of Christ Jesus. Amen. So I pray towards the end when I mentioned three points on how you can discern a false prophet from a true prophet. I pray that you'll practice that in these last days because one thing that Jesus took a whole chapter, a whole chapter to explain in Matthew 24, is the danger of false prophets, false apostles, and false Christs. It, uh, it seems like it was important to Jesus, and I hope it's important to you as well. Amen. So today I'm just going to show you how important two prophets were in building the church. Okay, can I just show you that quickly so we can learn from their lives? Turn with me to the book of Ezra, chapter number 6. The book of Ezra, chapter 6 verse 14 the book of Ezra chapter 6 verse 14 the Bible says so the elders of the Jews built and they prospered through the prophesying of Haggai the prophet and Zechariah the son of Ido and they built and they finished it according to the commandment of the God of Israel and according to the commandment of Cyrus Darius and Artaxerxes kings of Persia now the temple was finished on the third day of the month of Adar. Amen. The Bible says they prospered by the prophesying of Haggai the prophet and Zechariah the son of Ido. Praise be to God. Look at the importance of these two prophets in building the temple of God. I just want to quickly paint a picture for you, a timeline, so to speak. So if you're taking notes, you can uh, just note down this very, a nice linear timeline, okay? Now we know that Nebuchadnezzar, the king of Babylon, comes in and he destroys the temple. He destroys the people. He destroys Jerusalem, takes everybody captive. Okay. Now, when I say everybody, the key players become Daniel. Note it down, Daniel. Another key player becomes uh, Ezra. Then we see, uh, we see Zerubbabel. Now we also see Haggai and Zechariah. These are all people who are living during the times of this exile period, but they're called to the period of rebuilding post-exile. Okay. Uh, let me delineate this very quickly for you. 
when people when people of god were called out of babylon it happened in two stages the first stage happened when zerubbabel becomes the leader to lead half the people out of babylon back to jerusalem that's the first exodus okay then the second exodus happens later on in the book of ezra where ezra leads the rest of the people out of jerusalem out of babylon to jerusalem now we are still in the period where zerubbabel has brought the people back but look very carefully here the bible tells us in the book of ezra chapter 3 that zerubbabel has begun building the temple of god now listen very very carefully okay he's begun building the temple of god and he first builds the altar ezra chapter 3 verses 1 through 4 tell us he built the altar then he builds the foundation of the temple Now look right after the foundation was laid chapter 4 tells us that the people were so unhappy that the temple was being built that they immediately began to connive the bible said they tried to trick them they tried to discourage them they even hired counselors to discourage them and the bible says to frustrate their purpose Can I tell you something? Sometimes there will be people who want to frustrate your very purpose in life. But I came to encourage you that no power formed against your purpose can withstand because your purpose is for a better for is for a better season than the well, the power of the enemy. Amen. The power of the enemy targets your now, but your purpose targets your future. Because your purpose is beyond your present. the power of the enemy targeting your present holds no ground hallelujah they wanted to frustrate their purpose but nothing was working out so you know what they did they wrote a letter to the king with all sorts of false accusations can i tell you your enemy is so good at accusing people your enemy is just so good at accusing you i always encourage young people to know the difference between guilt and conviction so i want to pause for a minute and help you understand the difference between guilt and conviction because the book of revelation chapter 12 tells us there is an accuser of the brethren satan has a name do you know that he has many names and one of them is accuser of the brethren this is what he does for a living right uh, some of you are doctors some of you are engineers some of you are nurses some of you are you know computer people not me thank god but satan he's an accuser that is his full time job he's the accuser of the brethren and the bible says he stands before the throne of god accusing quote unquote day and night relentlessly accusing the brethren of wrongs that you have done throughout your life because guess what you're human right and there is a spirit that wants to keep you in a cycle of guilt but today in the name of Jesus Christ i want to encourage you if your if the, if the feeling you have about what you have committed as a sin if that feeling you have keeps you in a state of guilt where you're continuously just feeling like you're nothing you're feeling like you're worthless you're feeling like you have no backbone it just keeps you in a cycle of feeling like you're nothing that's guilt because the difference between guilt and conviction is that conviction of the holy spirit will lead you towards freedom the spirit of god will say you did this son uh, daughter you did this but I want to show you a way out of this and the spirit of God carries you towards a freedom it doesn't leave you in a state of feeling like you're nothing 
The Spirit of God pushes you to become better. So the difference between guilt and conviction lies in the progress and the fruit of what you're feeling. If what you're feeling keeps you in the feeling, that's guilt. If what you're feeling pushes you to do something better and to become more like Jesus, that's the Holy Spirit. So today, if the enemy is telling you that you have no strength to fight him, you fall for his temptations and his tricks over and over again, you're nothing, you're worthless, look at your enemy and tell him, you're trying to frustrate my purpose. You're writing accusations against me. And that's when the Bible says they overcame him by the blood of the lamb and the word of their testimony. Hallelujah. That's Revelation chapter 12, verse 5. We know that phrase very well, but the preceding verses are actually talking about the accuser of the brethren. When your enemy is writing accusations after accusations against you, writing letters upon letters about how horrible you are and how worthless you are, how sinful and just wretched you are, the Bible says they overcame him. The brethren, they overcame him by the blood of the Lamb and the word of their testimony. Now, the Bible says these enemies wrote letters to the king of, king of the land, and they said, these Jews are terrible people. Look, they're building a rebellious city. They're building an evil city. Chapter 4, verse 15. Rebellious and evil city. They're finishing its walls, and they will pay you no tax. And here's my favorite verse. They were right about one thing. Verse 16. We inform the king that if this city is rebuilt and its walls are completed, the result will be that you will have no dominion beyond the river. Hallelujah. Can I say one thing? They got one thing right in that letter. Amen. See, even your enemy knows one thing. I just, I feel like preaching today. Amen. Uh, this, this is turning into a preaching and not Bible study. Forgive me. I am. Uh, that is who I am. Those that know me, that they know this is how I am. Amen. The Bible tells us that if the temple was built, the king would have no dominion over that land. They got that right. Hallelujah. Can I tell you the reason the enemy has dominion over the streets of America? The reason why Satan is running willy-nilly, freedom, nothing, nobody matters, nothing matters. He does whatever he wants like a loose donkey is because he understands that the church has not been rebuilt completely we are still halfway we're not even completely building our churches yet we're not even fully functioning with the caliber that you're called to function in hallelujah and the enemy knows that his biggest threat is a church that is well-rounded when a church is well-rounded nothing like a well-rounded united church that makes the, the kingdom of satan tremble Hallelujah. Today, I want to encourage you. The, the enemies knew if this temple is built, oh my God, we will have no dominion over this land. Can I tell you, let's, let's be that generation. I know it hasn't happened till now, and we can't keep talking about what hasn't happened and how bad it is. Okay, let's be that generation. Come, let's do something. And let's build a well-rounded body of Christ where we are all united in one name, bound by love, bound with cords of love that cannot be broken by any division, derision, deception, or any sort of work of the enemy. Today, I'm encouraging you, let's be the body of Christ. As young people, maybe uh, the, the generations before us, maybe they couldn't accomplish it, but that's okay. They've been working hard and we continue what they have built so far. And let's take it all the way. 
Because when the temple is built, the enemy has no dominion over the land. The enemy has no dominion over the land. Praise be to God. And so their fear was, we're going to lose dominion. Even today, Satan's fear is he would lose control. Make him realize his fear, my sister. Let's make him realize his fear of losing dominion over the land. Amen. The Bible says when these letters were put out, verse 24 of chapter 4 says, with force of arms, they came with military type of power and they, were, they, they basically made the work of the house of the Lord cease completely. It was ceased completely. It was discontinued. Do you know how many years it was discontinued for? The Bible says, until the second year of the reign of Darius, king of Persia. From the first year of King Cyrus to the second year of King Darius was 14 years. 14 years. The, the temple had nothing but an altar and a foundation. Hallelujah. Today, my prayer is that you would understand that the church is standing with a foundation and an altar and nothing more. Amen. But I praise God. Here's the, here's the bulk of our message. Chapter 5, verse 1. Then the prophet Haggai and Zechariah, the son of Ido, prophets, prophesied to the Jews who were in Judah. Verse 2. Zerubbabel, the son of Shealtiel, and Joshua, the son of Jozadak, rose up and began to build the house of God. After 14 years of nothing but an altar and a foundation. Now come Zechariah and Haggai. Hallelujah. And I just want to show you one of the most famous Pentecostal verses we love to, so we love to repeat over and over again. And you will be surprised, I hope, to see when this verse was spoken. Zechariah chapter 4, verse 6. So he answered and said to me, This is the word of the Lord to Zerubbabel, not by might, nor by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord. The, who are you, O great mountain? Before Zerubbabel, you shall become a plain, and he shall bring forth the capstone, which shouts of grace and grace unto it. Verse 9, the hands of Zerubbabel have laid the foundation of this temple. His hands will also finish it. When did that promise come? Not by might, not by power, but by my spirit. You know when that was? That was Zechariah prophesying when, when for 14 years, nothing was done. For 14 years, they had a foundation and, a, and an altar. And when there was enmity, when the enemy stopped the building of the temple, Zerubbabel seems like a defeated man to me a little bit. He seems like a man who's kind of sort of given up for 14 years. He doesn't know what to do about finishing the temple that God called him to build. But I encourage you today, you are Zerubbabel in these last days. In Jesus' name, I say to you, my friend, my brother, my sister, you are Zerubbabel in these last days. And even as the enemy tries to make the work of the house of the Lord, cease, rebuke that enemy right now. And I want to encourage prophets like Haggai and Zechariah to rise out of prayer house, to go back and find the Zerubbabels of our land and to remind them, hey, the work has been, st been stopped for 14 years. It's time to start building again. And you know what? was happening i want to read for you what Haggai said i think it had a profound impact on zerubbabel turn with me to the book of Haggai, chapter one a very important uh, scripture passage there i think what Haggai had to say must have had a very powerful impact 
on the life of Zerubbabel. And the Bible says, Hagar looks at uh, Zerubbabel and he asks the question, why is my house not built when you guys are building your houses? Chapter one. Amen. I, I want to encourage you, if you have some time, to take a minute and read the book of Haggai chapter 1. And the Bible says, how is, how is my house not built, but you're busy building your houses? And verse 7 onwards, the Bible says, the Lord stirred up the spirit of Zerubbabel. Hallelujah. The Lord stirred up the spirit of Zerubbabel, and he rose up to build the house of the Lord. Amen. So here's Zechariah and here's Haggai and they're both prophesying to whom? They're both prophesying to Zerubbabel and they're making him think for a second. Zerubbabel, you stopped building because some king said you can't. You stopped building because some enmity rose up and they said you can't. But Zerubbabel, not by might. Not by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord. Hallelujah. Can I remind you, church building has never been about how strong you are. Church building has never been about how talented you are. It's never been about how mighty you are. It's always been about how much room you're making for the Holy Spirit to have control over the church. Praise God. Today, my encouragement to you is to be prophets like Haggai and Zechariah who couldn't care less about guessing people's bank account numbers, who couldn't care less about how many children you're going to have. Although that is possible, God is interested in the minor details of your life. But by and large, God is interested in edifying the church of God and preparing it for rapture. Hallelujah. In these last days, as you're waiting for the kingdom of God to come back, as you're waiting for Jesus to come back as a prophet, as a gifted anointed man of God, and as a gifted woman of God, your job is not to appease people. Your job is not to make people go, wow, it's not for you to bring the wow factor. It has always been about bringing people into edification. It says to edify the house of the Lord. Haggai and Zechariah did not mind, hallelujah, did not mind being the uncool prophets who couldn't guess what your social security number was. They didn't mind it, amen, because they were too focused on the kingdom of God. They were too focused on building the house of God. Today, my encouragement to you, once again, is to be the prophets that are focused on building the church. I want to just point out one thing about Zechariah, Zechariah chapter 2, verse 4. Zechariah chapter 2, verse 4, where the Lord looks at an angel and tells the angel, run and speak to this young man. 2, verse 4, run and speak to this young man. If you read that chapter in context, you will see that the young man is a reference to Zechariah. Okay? It's a reference to Zechariah. The Bible tells us, Zechariah, when I say Zechariah, you probably, the image that comes to your head is, a guy with a white beard. I mean, maybe you don't, but that's what I was thinking until I read this chat book entirely and I realized that he was a young man. Amen. He was, he was just a young kid, a kid. Amen. So my encouragement to all the young people on this line today is to recognize that even if you're young, amen, you can be a prophet central to the growth of the church. Your age is no factor. Your age has never been a hindrance to the kingdom work and it will never be. 
But see, the difference is we find a Zachariah who understands what his calling is. We find a Zachariah, though he's young, he's not after position. Because I want to just point out quickly, in, if you read chapter 3 when you have some time, God shows Zachariah a vision about the high priest of the land. I want to take a minute here and I want to address something that's happening among the Christian young communities. Okay, one second. Have a look. Chapter 3, God is showing Zachariah an important vision about the high priest. Now remember, this is about building the temple. Now here's the high priest who would be the leader of the temple. Okay, let's call him senior pastor. Is that okay? All right. Because high priest has gone out of fashion. Senior pastor is the cool thing to say now. All right. So here's senior pastor Joshua, right? And here's the vision that God shows Zechariah, chapter 3, verse uh, 1. Then he showed me, Joshua the high priest, standing before the angel of the Lord. And I just want to point out the angel of the Lord here is Jesus. It's a symbol of Jesus. And Satan standing at his right hand to oppose him. Oppose who? The senior pastor, right? Now here's a young kid seeing a vision of his senior pastor. And in the vision, God shows Little Zach, Zach sees Pastor Josh in heaven and Pastor Josh is being opposed by Satan in front of God himself. And the, the word says in chapter three, Joshua was clothed with filthy garments. So there's clearly uh, lots of sin here, lots of dirt and lots of filthiness that, uh, that the priest is clothed in. So we find a very odd picture of a senior pastor. But hang on one second. I just want to point this out. And you may not like me after I point this out. Now, if you're a young prophet, right? Little Zach, little Zach, wherever you are, little Zach, if God showed you Pastor Josh in filthy garments, standing in front of heaven, and Satan is against uh, against Pastor Josh, and he's making these accusations about the filthiness of Pastor Josh, and you just saw this vision. The modern-day 2020 version of Prophet Zach would probably go like this, jumping on Facebook, making a video about this most famous Pastor Josh. I saw a vision of how dirty and filthy he was, just a horrible man. He's supposed to be the high priest. He's supposed to be in the Holy of Holies. He's supposed to be the great role model for us. But this is what the Lord showed me. And then all of Zach's friends would comment and say, wow, this is crazy. I never knew these things. And then they would share, share, share. Uh, people who never shared a, a single Bible verse in their life will share this video like it's nobody's business. And, they, and half of them don't even know Pastor Josh. And all of a sudden, Pastor Josh has to come on his, his own Facebook and put up a statement to defend himself, and this, this madness goes on. How many times have we seen this? This kind of immaturity must stop. This is why prophecy has become a laughing matter. Anyone and everyone is standing up from every corner and saying, God showed me a vision. Today I'm encouraging you. A true prophet and a false prophet, and I will finish with this. Number one, a false prophet. I'll, I'll, I'm going to come back and finish with this in a second. A false prophet, number one, is focused on self. Focused on self. Their focus is always on themselves. When they tell you, God showed me this, 
they will not make it about what they saw. Their focus, if you look at the subject, right, what, one of the first English lessons you learned in high school is to identify the subject of a sentence. Now, when somebody tells you, this is what the Lord showed me, identify what the major theme there is. And a false prophet will use the vision that he saw to make himself or herself look great. It's, it's a, it's a self-promoting act. If you see that, False, right? False, praise be to God. Number two, a false prophet is focused on sound. They're focused on sound. Why do I say that? The Bible tells us in the love chapter, 1 Corinthians chapter 13, that though I prophesy or speak in tongues, but I have not love, I am a clanging. No, you don't want to say it. I am a clanging symbol. Right? I'm a beating drum. I'm, a, I'm, just a, I'm just a noise, right? But it's a loud noise. You're prophesying, you're speaking in tongues. It's, it's a loud, boisterous noise, but you have not love. And then all these characteristics come up about love is not puffed up, right? There's no element of pride. So if I'm prophesying and there's an element of pride, I am a clanging symbol. If I am prophesying and there's an element of no kindness for my fellow minister and I want to bash everybody on public social platforms so that the rest of the world can watch us act like fools, there is no power in that. You're a clanging symbol. You mean nothing. You have not produced one fruit of love. My friend, I am encouraging you that in these last days, there will be false prophets and they will be focused on self. Number two, focused on sound. They make a lot of sound. They make themselves heard. They are there. Every, every Facebook, every time you open up your Facebook, they're there screaming at you. It's sound, 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 but nothing comes out of it. Finally, they're focused on the senses, on the senses. We have five senses, right? Eyesight. Hearing, smelling, touch, right? We have five senses. And now the, the Bible tells us in the book of Jude, if you have some time, I want you to read it. The Bible says in the book of Jude that these people will speak what, swelling words, empty words that are swelling. And it says these are sensual persons. Jude chapter 1, let me read for you. Jude chapter 1, verses 16 and 17. These are grumblers. They're complainers walking according to their own lusts. They mouth great swelling words, flattering people to gain advantage. They're sensual persons, verse 19. These are sensual persons who cause divisions, not having the Holy Spirit. This is in reference to false prophets, if you read this chapter. My friend, you can use three ways. One, if somebody's prophesying and they're using it for their own, their, their own self-promotion, if somebody's prophesying and there's a lot of sound but no fruit, false prophet. Number three, if they're appealing to the senses of people, right? Uh, they, they make flashy things happen. Whatever they say, it pleases your ears. It appears to your sense of hearing, right? Uh, it, it, it looks cool. Wow, wow, wow. Whatever I see looks great. These are sensual persons and they cause nothing but division. The Bible says they do not have the Holy Spirit, Jude one nineteen. Today, my encouragement to you is to truly desire the gift of the Holy Spirit in prophesying, because Paul says, reminding you back to where we started, 
Paul says in chapter 14 that I desire above all that you all prophesy. He desired that every believer in Corinth should prophesy. The Bible says it is God's desire that all of you prophesy. But be like, be like prophet Zach, that even when he saw Pastor Josh in heaven with all his filth uncovered in the, in the heavens, he had no grudge against Pastor Josh because we find here, later on down the, down the chapter, we find a, a united nature where Haggai and Zechariah and Joshua the high priest and Zerubbabel the governor, all four join their hands and they build up the church. Hallelujah. My friend, God uses prophets to build the church. This is not about building your kingdom. I always say, I think for some reason over the past 50, 60 years, I, I don't know what happened, but we became so busy building empires, we forgot to build the kingdom. We were busy building our own empires that we forgot to build God's kingdom. This stops now. This stops with us. I beg of you, this stops with us. When we prophesy, when we move in the gift of the Holy Spirit, we will not be focused on ourselves. We will not be focused on just making sound and noise. We will be focused on actual substance, getting things done. And we will not just appeal to people's senses, wow them with our sights and wow them with the hearing, make it look good, taste good, feel good, act good. We will not do that. This will stop with our generation. Can we make a pact, right? Can we make a deal with each other, right? Can you and I, can we make a deal and say, this stops with us? I will not follow that wind of doctrine. I will not be a child tossed to and fro with every wind of doctrine because it looks great and I look cool. Cut it out. I don't care if you look cool. Jesus is coming back. People are dying. Things are happening and things are going out of control. This is not a time for self-promotion. This is not about you and me. This is not about big I and little you. This is serious. Let's get serious. Let's get to business. Let's focus our attention on the kingdom of God and nothing more. I am so tired of seeing so-called prophets going all over the world and promoting themselves and actually producing no fruit. Perhaps you can be different. Because the Bible tells us that even prophets along with pastors, teachers, evangelists, and apostles are called to edify the church so that we can become the fullness of Christ Jesus. That is our goal. Can we make a pact? Can we make a deal and say this stops with us? We will seek prophecy as a gift, but we will seek it to build the church. Not our own lives, not our own empires, not our own influences, not our own social media. I'm done. I'm sick of it. We're going to do it, and we're going to do it right. Amen? Let's pray together. Father, thank you so much for your love and your grace. Lord, I know that your heart is grieved. Even as you see, people that you called by your own name using your name in vain we seek forgiveness we ask you to forgive us we ask you to forgive us for not seeking your gifts and using your gifts in the way intended right now we are praying and we're asking we are we're crying out to you father help us 
to be a generation of believers who will truly indeed prophesy so that we can prosper the kingdom work just as the temple building prospered by the prophesying of Haggai and Zechariah. Right now in the name of Jesus, we pray, oh God, that you would prosper the kingdom work through our prophesying. In the name of Jesus, Lord, help us to not be like the rest who are speaking with swelling words so that people can feel good. But instead, today we are praying that you would raise up prophets out of prayer house, raise up prophets out of every state logged in this night, raise up prophets in Jesus' name, oh God, like Haggai and Zechariah, who would, who would join hands with high, the high priest, who would join hands with the governor of the land, who would join hands with the rest of the people, and we would be focused on building building your kingdom. Lord, today we are making a decision to come against every power of darkness that seeks to take down the kingdom work. Lord, the kingdom work has been seized. Lord, the kingdom work has been stopped, Father God. I pray that you would raise up prophets in these last days that would raise up other people to come and rebuild once again, to resume the building once again. Lord, your, your church must be built. We will not sit here and build our own lives, careers, and ministries and forget to build your kingdom today. God, we seek your forgiveness if that's how we've been till now. But today on, from this moment on, we choose to be focused solely on your kingdom, on your kingdom alone, God. Have your way in us. Build your kingdom, Father God. May your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Let your kingdom come. Seeking first the kingdom of God today, we look to you. Help us to build your kingdom. Have your way in us. I pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks again for tuning in. We pray over you today that the word of God touched you and transformed you as only his word can. Rate us and leave a review if you can. We really appreciate it. Till then, keep searching, keep listening for his voice, and we'll see you again next time, fam.